श्री गुरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाय आरमारभ की जाय गौ प्रेमानंदे सो गुड इवनिंग एवरीवन एनी क्वेश्चंस टुनाइट तो आज कुछ सेय समथिंग अबाउट व्हाट यू सेड द लास्ट टाइम व्हेन यू वेंट आई गेस आई वाज लाइक अबाउट प्रतिष्ठा बीइंग द रूट ऑफ ऑल द अनाथस Yeah, I think that may be um, a position taken by Bhakti Vinod. Um, and Arulav Dasko, Raghunath Dasko Swami has made a, a statement that can help us to appreciate the unbecoming nature of pratishta or self-pride. And... when he says that we should avoid pratishta like the stool of a pig which is particularly bad because pigs eat the stool of others to generate the stool of them <laughs> of their own so it's rather shocking <laughs> uh statement but to emphasize the point hmm? and of course everybody wants some distinction and adoration and, and so on and so forth so in effect um it's perhaps tantamount to wanting to be in the center if you will which is unbecoming considering the fact that uh we're not the center and 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 we should be focused on the center and serving spirit rather than being um adored and honored and the center of attention and so forth so perhaps in that way because it is so uh it typifies the antithesis of the reality hmm? um it can be said that from there so many other problems arise if that were not in place hmm? and there in and arguably then you are always focused appropriately on the center rather than posturing to be in the, in the, in the center then it would be difficult for other um obstacles to arise or false values and arthas to be identified with so in that sense i think the idea is that that, that it's the source of all other um obstacles and arthas um and they say identification with false values artha means like a value on artha it's not it's not required unnecessary so uh therefore we it's it's cautioned against and it's it's most difficult to to overcome mahabharu has mandated that we should overcome that you can see where this is the crux then between kind of the uh life of unsteady bhajan and, and practice that is consistent hmm mahabharu says trinada piso nichana troda piso hishtana amanina manadena kirtaniya sadahari so 
expecting no honor for oneself and offering honor to others. And this is part of what he um, describes as the uh, fourfold mentality, disposition, and uh, decorum of his devotees. They're the regulative principles, so to speak, of bhakti. Hmm? Humble, tolerant, expecting no honor, and conversely giving all honor uh, to others. This is, as I say, the uh, kirtaniya sadahari, so it implies the practice will be steady. Mahaprabhu says when your practice is decorated like this, then it will bring prayam. Unless you come to there, you have to cross over into that uh, from unsteady practice to steady practice, so to speak. So um, that then is a kind of an interim goal, and it kind of uh, is the demarcation between external practice, kind of materialistic devotion, and internal consistent internal um, experience. Um, so there's another way in which we can think about it as being a central to the problem hmm, of our material condition as it is and to think of it as to be as much of an obstacle as it is. It's pivotal to overcome that. Hmm. Um, and having done so, the pa- it's almost so like you've climbed a mountain, hmm? and at, at, at Nishta you've you, you, you've you reached the top, and you can see the other side, and it's all downhill from there, Ruchi, Asakti, and enter into the valley of Bhava and Prem. Hmm? Um, but it's heavy lifting going the other 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 side of the mountain. Hmm? Um, and as I say, in this example, reaching the top means this pratishta is left behind. Hmm? So these are some other ways I think we can think about it as being um, as pivotal as it is, as central as it is to all all the problems uh, we have. And, and Mahaprabhu Chichatanadev in his Shikshastika, in, in effect, kind of gives a, a remedy for overcoming it. Hmm? when he says, that you don't accept any honor for yourself and give all honor to others. And so the practice of giving honor to others, hmm? one of my students, Kishore Krishna, he wrote me, he said that he had taken a vow for Kartik to uh, double a chanting of his rounds, I think he's 48 rounds or something like that, a day, and then and then um, to to surprise a, de- a devotee every day by honoring them in some way. Hmm. Um, so, this it was a good idea, <laughs> I thought. Um, a good uh, example of what we're talking about as much as the offering honor to others is the antithesis of, expect- of, of expecting honor for oneself, and so making a practice of that. Hmm. Um, finding ways to serve, honor another devotee.
It's a good practice even to do it. It's, it's, it's one thing to surprise them. Another thing is to surprise them in a way that they can't figure out who did it. Hmm? Something like that. <laughs> Turning their shoes around and then there, you know, because you leave the shoes this way going in and then you come out and they're facing this. Somebody did that. Who did that? Who's serving me? Something like that. You have to... So, <laughs> so this is uh, in a way that Mahaprabhu's fourth uh, mandate there is uh, is also some type of uh, um, advice or instruction as to how to put in place, help to put in place the the third one, hmm? expecting no honor for oneself, four by giving all honor uh, to others. Hmm? I mean, it's very practical. The uh, material life uh, in in uh, the uh, consumer society and so forth has uh, sometimes been described as um, as a realm in which one gets ahead by stepping on the heads of others. Hmm. And then we want to enter a world where having our heads stepped on is how we get ahead. It's just the opposite. Hmm. So it's very central in this way. You understand? It's just like it changes the equation entirely from material to spiritual. Hmm. Um, and so it's been emphasis, and it's not easy to uh, to over overcome. Hmm. But uh, we should 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 practice that, hmm? culture that, and uh, and arguably, why such a focus on avoiding this? Other narthas won't have scope. Hmm? To uh, make inroads into your your practice. That help? Yeah, thank you. What else? Um, this is With regard to honoring um, other devotees, is there some consideration of um, what's appropriate and what's just? I don't know, some kind of form. Panho agist or something. <laughs> well, this does get turned into something like that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not just a formality. and you know, It's uh, to be... Uh, uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur sometimes would have his disciples sit together and and then uh, call on one to find the good qualities in others and so forth and speak about them in a, in a, in a group setting. So in earnest, I mean, there are good qualities in, in, in everyone who comes within the fold of bhakti and so forth. Um, interestingly, of course, the mandate of Mahaprabhu who we're speaking of there, it doesn't refer only to devotees. Mm-hmm. So, to 
to you know, uh, find the good, good qualities and others gravitate towards those as much as possible. I mean, there's a place for constructive criticism also for those who are capable of, of doing that. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, you don't want it to deteriorate into something mechanical and and um, something becomes like over the top and it's 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 formal and it's contrived so to speak and Jai Prabhu you know uh, you know you've seen it and heard it and, and it's uh, it, it's it's like the letter of the law it's that the spirit of it isn't there you, you can you can I mean it gets bad sometimes because they say all this right stuff you know right out of the book and then it follows by some you know whatever you know criticism and but you're you know but you left Prabhupada or something you know whatever you know that kind of thing um, and they go off go off on you <laughs> so that, that's very uh, it's off-putting and artificial and it, it's an example I think of how you it, it's a it's it's um, I don't know if it's just relative to our Western culture, but uh, but uh, it does seem to be prominent within it. But where you you know you, you just embrace the the surface of it. You, you want to have the whole thing so fast that you just uh, collecting information and and then regurgitating it and so forth, and then mistakenly thinking that you've actually understood it and it's it's done in spirit and so forth. And it comes off as being very artificial and superficial. And I never liked that Pam Ho stuff. And I, I was like, what? You know, it's like, if you're going to say... Yeah, say it, say it. Say it. Take the time to write it out, you know, and then you actually... You don't have time to write it out. I don't have time to write it out. And it, you know, Pam Ho, is, they, they make this... It's not for me. Please accept my humble obeisance. It's Pam Ho. A-G-S-T. T, I don't even know how. A G S T P. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. You know. Uh, y S. Your servant. You know. I I never liked that. I thought if you're going to do that, write it out, and and it's a meditation, hmm? and you feel it, and you and you say it. If you don't feel it, you don't you don't say it. You know. <laughs> that's another thing because they don't feel it and they say it. You know. Then that's a little off-putting. So that happens, and that that should should be avoided. Where it's just mechanical and it's supposed to be said, so you say it, and and so forth. No, it's it's the whole. You know, their the, the whole Indian culture would speak of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, um, where this idea is kind of taken to the extreme. <laughs> the standard of humility and respect for others is is uh, extraordinary in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. You have the, the, the classic example of Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami and his uh, self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. Um, you find in Chaitanya Charitamrita. But, as I say, in uh, Hinduism at large, you have this whole, like, the greeting, namaskar, namaste. You know, it's, I offer my respects to, you know, it's not about me, he's basically saying, it's not about hello. It's not about me, hmm? and so um, you're you're immediately kind of putting yourself out of the the center, 
and uh, the other person comes in the center, and in the context of putting the Godhead in, in the center. So it's a very different um, culture, kind of a backwards culture, maybe. Uh, classical India had no scope for becoming, you know, materially prosperous. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, classical India isn't uh, is uh, hard to hard to find these days. But uh, mm. but it's a very this Eastern idea, this Hindu idea is very very different than the modern uh, Western idea. And, uh, and here, this is an example, just in the greeting and so forth. So. So it's a mindset. It's a culture. It's uh, it's 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 uh, and it's uh, it's a bit unbecoming when um, it's adopted in form and to the letter, but the spirit of the law is absent. It, 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 it's, uh, it's 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 kind of off off putting. So that we should avoid and we try to be heartfelt about that. And these are powerful. Uh, forms of transformation, just a word, namaste. Hmm. Um, you know, Hari Bol is, is good. everybody's Hari Bol. That's why I say Hari, because everybody's saying Hari Bol. <laughs> so I say Hari. This means chant, Hari, chant the holy, holy name, so I say Hari. They go, oh, no, he's not saying Hari Bol back, you know. <laughs> so I, I say that, I do that, so I'm just... Try to make somebody think, you know, what you just said. You said Haribo. So I said Hari, you know, because people just, Haribo. I mean, I do it to some extent too. It's become like, hello, goodbye, good night, good morning. Uh, but, but I do think about it from time to time. <laughs> what, what comes out of your mouth, you know, should be thought about and, and, uh, and, um, and taking advantage of these kind of, um, Greetings like Namaskar, Namaste, except my my Dandavat Pranam, you know. Um, that's if you do it thoughtfully, uh, heartfelt, and understand the meaning. It's very powerful. It's transformational, hmm? and so that's what you want. You want to see the the inner transformation, and then uh, you know, as much as that comes in place, and then those things become a formality that can can um, get in the way. That's another, you know, going to the other side. Uh, Sri Ramar said, thank you, this, this doesn't, it doesn't have a place in Vrindavan. Hmm? Thank you. It's, it's, it, it goes without saying, you know, amongst intimates where it's clear that, you know, you're with your family, you love one another, you don't say thank you for everything. It's like, as for other people who come, thank you, you know. Your mother says, here's your breakfast. You just say, thank you, mother. You're welcome, son. You know, <laughs> these create some distance. That's his, his point. Hmm? And so it's it's not for among friends, something like that. So the, when the respect is fully in place and it goes the other side and we see this is what Vrindavan is about, right? Hmm? And, uh, and Krishna is being regarded, for example, amongst his friends. Sometimes they serve him, sometimes he serves them. It's the characteristic of Sakiras, or whether you saw it as chastising him, and so on and so forth. Mm. But uh, if you're able to look through good association underneath the surface, then you find that all the thank yous and namaskars and all that stuff is all have been 
in place, they're fully transformed, it's coming out on the other side. Hmm? And almost looking from the point of view of Vaikuntha is disrespectful. How can they deal with Bhagavan like that? Hmm? Not chastise them, <laughs> something like that. So, so yeah, you want to avoid that kind of a thing. It's it's rather annoying. Hmm? Like I say, all these things are the whole, it's a whole lifestyle, a meditative lifestyle to transform, to change you. Hmm? I take advantage of, of of such vernacular and phrases, greetings, so forth. What else? Yes. I was having a conversation with Jinnahar yesterday, and um, he explained the point very nicely, And but I still was like, even though I can understand it, I still like feel that, you know, it's like not solidified, I guess. And I don't understand like how you can understand something like intellectually, but still keep going against it. For example, we were talking about how you can, like, some people think just by serving anyone, you're serving God. And then in Vaishnavism, it's, you're not necessarily, like, you're serving the Vaishnava, but that's like serving God. Does that make sense? No. I don't see how they connected that with knowing something intellectually, but not not knowing it in in um in a um, in more than an intellectual way that's what you started out with i mean it's obvious that you could know something intellectually um and be able to explain it but that does not necessarily mean that you would act accordingly there are many things that you understand intellectually that you can explain and even stand up for that you yourself may not do that's what we call a hypocritical. Hmm? And so that shouldn't be hard to understand. And it happens, I suppose, in in, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism also. People know the teaching um, to some extent and can regurgitate it and speak it and explain it and people may listen and so forth. But then their personal conduct uh, indicates that they don't really understand it because... In a, in a sense, understanding in this instance implies some action. Hmm? There's intellectual knowing. Intellectual knowing is kind of a fence sitting. You can cannot. It's, it's not. A, it's not a way to fully apprehend something. Hmm? Just like you could intellectually know everything that goes into that an apple is made up of, hmm? but know nothing about it unless you've tasted it. And having tasted it, you might not know any of the ingredients intellectually in the physical makeup of the apple, hmm? but know what an apple is better than someone that knew all those things and never tasted it. Hmm? So intellectual knowing is sometimes compared to like um, like examining the honey outside of the jar, something, another, another example. Hmm? So it's kind of like only as useful as it compels one to act in ways that correspond with the intellectual understanding or that 
ways in which that that understanding really mandates, hmm, then it then it's useful. Otherwise, it's an intellectual sleight of hand, and one may delude oneself or others into thinking they've gone somewhere by intellectual knowing. Hmm, um, when they haven't, so it's kind of like intellectual knowing in a, in a way is kind of like fence sitting. That's why faith, shraddha, is not. Uh, we say shastriya shraddha. Your faith should be formed and, and strengthened by the scriptural argument and so forth. But the word faith itself, uh, properly understood, Im- implies action. Mm-hmm. Therefore, for example. Bhaktivinoda Thakur has, has described Sharanagati as the outward expression of Shraddha. So Sharanagati is active. There are things that are, that are incorporated into one's life that constitute Sharanagati. You kind of can't fake the Sharanagati. Hmm? You have to accept the things favorable, reject things unfavorable to Krishna, and so on and so forth. Hmm? So faith has, is, is active. Hmm? And it's it's a comprehensive way of apprehending a thing. Intellectual, therefore, I say, intellectual understanding, reason, is most beautiful when it becomes an assistant to faith. Hmm? In the modern world, it's often thought that faith is a departure from reasoning. That if you can't reason it out, then you call faith and 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 think you won the argument or something like that. You know, but ugh, you're unreasonable. But reason is is um, is there's always another kind of reasoning that can um, reason against the, the former reasoning and so forth. So as said in the sutras, tarko apatishtanat. You'll never get any pratishta. This is mean any standing. It means in a positive way um, by 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 argumentation, tarko reasoning alone. Hmm? Logic is not a knowing. Hmm? Um, so we don't know what the head. If the head is not a suitable vehicle, we have to use the head and intellect entirely, just like we're supposed to use our senses and our mind. We have to use our intellect in bhakti or have it be used by bhakti. But in and of itself, it's not the appropriate vehicle for going there to examine that which is beyond its its jurisdiction, what is its capacity. Therefore, unto itself, it will misunderstand it. Hmm? If by intellect alone we go and try to take everything apart, then uh, divinity will, will be taken out of it. Hmm? And then where will you be? You know, you're empty. You're on empty still. Huh? Um, you're, you just remain a doubter, which means it's kind of a suspended animation. So faith is is is, is the animating force. Hmm? If you have faith, then, then you can move in relation to it. So faith is the proper vehicle. It should be informed by intellect. It should be harmonized. The heart should be harmonized with the head. That will make the faith stronger. So there's a role for intellect, but it's not the lead. Hmm? It needs to be harnessed spiritually and trained, so to speak, to to think spiritually. Hmm? And the 
intellectual study of the scripture that is said to be the worship of Krishna by one's intellect hmm, is really such as much as the study results in the application of oneself hmm, according to the to the teachings. So I think it's easy enough to understand that you could have a head full of one time Bhakti Pramod Puigoswami Maharaj was chuckling and he said, we mentioned some fellow, I don't know who he was, a big scholar, um, probably a Mayavadin, because these Mayavadins, they, they study all kinds of stuff. And so they come to Vrindavan and they speak Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? They know it real well, and then they speak it. And, and their idea is, you know, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Ramanuja, this, that, whatever it is, it all ends up in Brahman. Hmm? And so they like all the paths. All the paths are good. All the paths are good. They look like these real liberal people. You know, all the paths are really good. Hmm? Each one is as good as the other. Hmm? They all take you to Brahman, which none of the other paths are about. <laughs> so you don't really honor any of the paths. It appears there's an appearance of honoring, but you don't really honor what they say they're about. Hmm? Um, so the real sleight of hand, but. Anyway, they, they come to Vrindavan sometimes and they give lectures and Purimarsh was speaking about this one fellow and he said, he chuckled and said, he knows the philosophy better than we do. Hmm? He knows our philosophy better than we do, but um, he was in my body and there were some other moral problems with his life or something like that and that he, you know, came out or something like that. So he said, so, you know, what is the value of that? Hmm? Right. So that's yeah. That should be a way for this. Uh, sometimes the word satam is used to the truthful, the honest, the thoroughly honest to be synonymous with the devotee. Hmm? And that's harder than learning the theory. And it's not that easy to learn the theory. There's a lot there, you know. To but then to learn it in such a way that, as I say, you use your head to soften your heart. That's the art. Hmm? Does that help? Yeah. Okay. I'm reading the um, <clears throat> third canto, part four, um, Kapila's instructions to his mother. Mm. And he's describing like, the whole creation, like how everything started with sound. Yeah. The sound comes from the sky. And but it's so technical. Mm-hmm. So I could, like, memorize these things. Will there ever come a time? But I don't get it. It could be. I mean, it's basically the Sankhya idea incorporated into the Bhagavatam, a form of emanationism to describe the, um, the, the manifestation of the world. Um, I, it, it, it's, it's, it's not the most kind of central subject to the, to the Bhagavatam. And, um, um, some people might have more of an interest or aptitude in it and want to study it in relation to modern thinking and, and so forth. And mm. Others may, may not. Uh, it probably wouldn't, wouldn't hurt them. 
too much. Um, there are probably more important parts of the book to to learn, but um, but uh, I, I you know the basic idea there I think the overriding idea is that the world is thought to be consciousness driven, hmm? and so you know the Purusha the one becomes many, and as the many when the desire for to taste arises, there is, and there needs to be the object of taste, and there needs to be the tongue. When the desire to see arose in him, then there need to be the objects of sight and the eyes. And so it's all consciousness-driven, is what it's saying in essence. Hmm? That the world, however it's moving and assembling and disassembling itself, it's uh, this... And so the, the disassembling is kind of the yogic converting the whole thing back, so to speak, and, uh, and, and the world is unfolded, it becomes enfolded, I don't know, folded in or, or something like, collapsed, something like that. Um, and, I, and, and that particular uh, idea is, is um, perhaps a little more prominent in, in, uh, in, in, in uh, yoga darshan, more technical kind of idea of collapsing the elements and so on and so forth. So sometimes sections in, of the Bhagavatam you'll find some of that as well. But I, again, again, the overriding idea is that that's a consciousness-driven type of uh, um, causality. Hmm? This is the main main point. And if you want to really understand it, you have to go and study Sankhya philosophy and uh, I mean, it's it's taken for granted at the time of the writing of the Bhagavatam that this is one of the prominent, you know, uh, philosophies of the time, Sankhya. So certain aspects of it are borrowed in the Bhagavatam, and, and uh, it's a basic idea of again how, how the world um, um, manifests, but the heart, the core of the thing, is is our main concern. I don't think the... Uh, it's more important to say, oh, this is just another wonderful aspect of Krishna that he... So. Well, yeah, it's Shakti Parinam, but it means that there's a... that, that Krishna's Shaktis... Krishna doesn't undergo transformation, but his Shaktis undergo transformation in the form of the world. Hmm? I mean, there's a lot of different ways of talking about it. I mean, the, the world is also Krishna, so... Jagadavyaktamurtina. This is my form. The world, the jagat, is my inconceivable form, it means. Hmm? And I have a form. Hmm? That's medium size. This is that's a whole you know, that, that term is used in the Bhagavatam. Brahma used it medium size. This is we're talking about yoga is yoga philosophies in the Bhagavatam. Sankhya, here's an example of nyaya. This is a nyaya term. These are the main Nyaya, Vaisheshika, Sankhya, Yoga, these were the philosophies of the time, hmm? the main currents of thought, philosophical thought. And so they're all, they show up, Karma Mimamsa, in different ways in the Bhagavatam. Sometimes refuting these ideas is what's going on, hmm? uh, giving the Vedanta Darshan, and, uh, and sometimes borrowing from them elements of 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 those doctrines that were acceptable to the uh, to the Vaishnav to 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 
to couching the essential ideas of Vaishnavism. Now they could be couched in other um, philosophical sensibilities of different times about the world. For example, we have different sensibilities perhaps uh, uh, about the world and its makeup and whatever. You know, people people uh, from kind of what they would call like folk science of the Bhagavatam to, to a scientific um, understanding that ha- has investigated the world with much greater scrutiny. Hmm? That's the idea of modern science. Now, when you say that there's folk science and folk psychology in the Bhagavatam, and then these are term modern terms, which make them it's 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 kind of a way of saying you know they're not they haven't their ideas that are quasi scientific and quasi you know psychologically sound, but they have not been. Uh, undergone scrutiny of the scientific method but we have evolved today to determine you know whether they have any validity or not hmm? that's kind of the idea but it doesn't it's not necessarily true that that, that certain um, elements of folk science or psychology of the Bhagavatam are, are wrong hmm? Hmm. Um so that when we say that, that and we acknowledge that, yes, there's folk psychology. It doesn't mean it's all wrong. Now, some of it may be. Hmm? It may not hold up. But that's not what the Bhagavatam is necessarily about. Hmm? I mean, you know, you have to look at the larger ideas of the Bhagavatam, the, what, what the world is. Um, and then some particular way of explaining it, taken from Sankhya, that was popular, for example, or out and about at the time, and it shows up everywhere in the, in the sacred texts. So, even in Buddhism, <laughs> it's all employed there. Um, you take um, Parikshit Maharaj when he asks Sukadeva about the world. Tell me about the material world, because by reflecting on it, you know, one can also develop love of God because it's one of the energies of, of God, and. Um, um, Sukadeva so says, oh, you, you really can't explain it, but I will explain it according to what the Puranic historians and thinkers of the time, the way they talk about it. Hmm? And so you could do the same thing about how the way people think about it now and so forth, and we'll talk about it and so forth. So the essential teaching of the Bhagavatam is, could be couched in different um, um, um Systems of thought um, that um, are current in, in a particular particular time. That's kind of a way to. So you want to like gravitate towards the essence of the idea, that which would be applicable at different times. Which doesn't mean oh, you know, if we if we if we you know, I'll give an example. You give us of like, for example, like folk science. I think there's something that said, you know, that scorpions come out of rice or something like that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's sometimes used as an example of something in the Bhagavatam. I forget. Um, um, or like turtles meditate on their young, and then they're born, something like that. 
So an example like this might be used to make a particular philosophical point. It's only, it doesn't prove anything, it's an analogy. Analogies don't prove anything, but they give us, they, they frame thought in such a way that we can get our hand, a handle on some, some, some kind of idea, hmm? help us to form ways of thinking about it. So here's an analogy that the turtle meditates on this eggs at a distance. I don't know how it works, but, and then they, they're born. So then you could go and look at it with scrutiny and say, well, what's really happening here is, you know, the turtle leaves, and because the turtle, I don't know, you know, the turtle leaves, the temperature becomes colder, and therefore the babies are born only under this temperature, and, you know, this idea that the turtle's meditating on the eggs, and that's why it's happening. That's not what's happening, Swami, so your whole point goes out the window. Well, our point is the point doesn't go out the window. Hmm? The analogy may not prove to be something that holds up, hmm? But analogies are just, like I say, ways of thinking about things. They don't prove or disprove anything. Hmm? Right? Hmm. So, uh, so, so you can dispense with certain ways of making a point hmm, without dispensing with the point. Hmm? You talk about the sun going. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's another example. The sun is rising and setting every day and taking away your life, flying across the sky, and then someone says, Swami, the sun doesn't fly across the sky. Actually, the earth goes around like this, so your book is kind of like dated. And we say that the point is, sir, you're dying. That's what the book is saying here. With the rising and the setting of the sun, your life is being taken away. Think of, you know, that's what we're talking about here, something more essential. And so that whole Sankhya description, emanationism of the world, it's, 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 it is, doesn't even agree with the whole Sankhya philosophy, but it, you know, it takes parts of it. And it speaks of just basically about the idea that the world is consciousness-driven. Consciousness is, 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 is causal. Hmm? And a lot of people today don't think that's true, which is it's very, very um, um, absurd conclusion, but that's in a whole other discussion. So I never memorized all those things about that. Uh, to, I never paid a whole lot of attention to that Sankhya side of things. I've seen some devotees got into that and studied some Sankhya and, 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 and so forth. And, but it's hard, it doesn't, it would be hard to like make a case in modern times that this is a superior explanation as to how, you know, the world, whatever it does, does, you know, the Big Bang and it expands and you know, you listen to those guys, and it's, uh, it would be hard to tell them, you didn't get it right, it's like this. In, in the Bhagavatam, earth comes from, sound comes from, you know, ether, from, you know, and all these. It's, uh, and then the whole idea in the Bhagavatam, as I've so often said, of, of looking at the natural world is to look at it in such a way that it fosters looking within, hmm? And it, that's what it's all about. It's really not looking at the world the way the modern um, society is. Hmm. So, no, no, that section is a very important section. There's, there's a whole, a 
whole nature of the, the characteristic of Shuddha Bhakti, uh, Uttam Bhakti is described there. From there, Rupa Goswami borrows a verse to um, support his the verse that his whole Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is built on. Anyabilashita sunyam gyan karmadi anabritam anukulena krishna anushila bhaktarutam. I forget the verse, but it's from Kapiladev speaking to his mother. So um, I think there was there was there was a there was a the fir- the person who is the maybe the 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 poster boy or the founder of the Sankhya philosophy was named Kapila. Hmm? And Devahuti's son is named Kapila. So the Kapila, Devahuti's son, is also speaks Sankhya philosophy, hmm? kind of, to an extent, in the Bhagavatam. He's really speaking uh, Uttam Bhakti, teaching Uttam Bhakti to, to his mother. Hmm? So I think it's a way. It's a. It's almost a way of saying, well, you know, like Prabhupada, Prabhupada was. He had a. He did a series of lectures on a section of uh, uh, Kapila speaking to Devahuti. And he, how did he name the book? Yeah. So the subtitle was the Son of Devahuti. I mean, it doesn't really mean very much in today's world. But Prabhupada was thinking in a more antiquated way about, you know, these are the six philosophies. There's like 6,000 philosophies now, uh, you know. And, and, and this Kapila is, is, is the son of Devahuti, not the atheist Kapila, hmm? who espoused the Sankhya philosophy um, that disagrees at certain points, certain points it agrees and certain points it departs and disagrees from the Vedanta Darshan. Hmm? And uh, so, so the so we have our own kapila. We got our own form of sankhya. It's kind of the statement of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? We got our own form of sankhya. And see, we got our own kapila too. Here he is. <laughs> He's the son of Devahuti. He's the incarnation of God, and, and and so something like that. We take the best from the sankhya, and then we, you know, and leave the part that uh, departs from. The Vedanta Darshan. So, something about you know what's behind the thinking of the authorship of the Bhagavatam mm, comes out. Mm. A device, you know, if you will, to make its point. But again, it's it's basically the way I like to think of it is you know, there's a way in which the world is thought about. And, Generally, it evolves, and so then from that point, you get in there and make your point about about consciousness. It could be done differently in a different world setting, world world view. Hmm. But, and, but there are essential ideas of that that I think are are have currency. Hmm. Does that help? Yeah. 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 What's the time? Eight. Anything else? Okay, if you want to save it. So you'll be going back tomorrow after lunch. Okay, we get you wanted to talk. We get together in the morning, and I guess Diver, you'll be going back tomorrow sometime too. Okay, all right. And so now we're approaching the time for.
moving the cows up. And there's some real nice grasses up there, as you've seen. So it should be a real cow heaven for them, as we had planned. I'm quite impressed with the density of the pasture now after a few years. So um, tomorrow or the next day, we'll you guys should meet whoever in charge and think we got to focus the move from the clearing to move to fencing and getting the barn all set up and and so forth. We want to have them up there before the festival, right? Yeah. That'll be a big, big celebration. Okay, we'll stop there. Shri Shri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandri